You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. We encounter this same fruit today whenever Christians speak negatively of, of social justice or, or related movements for a more equitable society. When Karl Marx labeled religion as the opiate of the masses, religious disregard for people's material suffering was why. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 373. Our title this week is A Better Way to Tell Our Stories, and our text is from the Johannan community's version of the Jesus story, the Gospel of John 3, 1 through 17. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the reign of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the reign of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. In this week's reading, Nicodemus and Jesus, they're both speaking for the communities that they represent. Nicodemus represents the Judeans identified with the community of the Pharisees, and Jesus represents the the Johannine community. So, the writer explains the differences between them by naming the flesh as bad and the spirit as good. I believe today there are more holistic Um, more healthy, more bodily affirming ways to tell the Jesus story in our context than this contrast between flesh and spirit. The dualistic way of of classifying our, our material being and and our material world as negative or disposable and the spirit is positive and of soul value 
that evolved into a major component of later Christian Gnostic beliefs, and it also became the foundation of the post-mortem focus of Christianity over-focusing on concrete realities that people face in our, our present world. It also gave rise to a solely inward focus on one's spiritual well-being, a focus and emphasis that, that too often it, 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 it produced a disregard for oppressions and or aggressions that a person was experiencing in their daily material lives. So that disregard, it, it then led to a privatized, personal, individualistic form of Christianity that was actually complicit in the oppression of vulnerable populations. We encounter the same fruit today whenever Christians speak negatively of, of social justice or, or related movements for a more equitable society. When Karl Marx labeled religion as the opiate of the masses, religious disregard for people's material suffering was why. So today, we can tell the Jesus story, I believe, in better ways. As Miguel de la Torre says in his recently published book, Decolonizing Christianity, Christianity was never about what one believes or professes, but about one what one does. That's page 112 of his book. But what we do is not related to the popular, I want to be very careful here, it's not related to, to the, the purity preaching that we find in this emphasis, this focus on doing. It's not the same focus that we find in some Christian circles. Instead, it's about how we show up in the world in response to concrete injustice, both private and systemic. It's a, it's a doing that's not just concerned with charity, but also addressing establishing justice in our communities and and society systemically at large. You can find this in Isaiah 42.4, Amos 5.15, Isaiah 9.7, Isaiah 16.5, Psalms 99.4. Classifying our flesh or our bodies or our material world or, or nature as at best unimportant and disposable and at worst something that's evil or something that we need to be saved from, that has yielded deeply harmful, destructive fruit throughout Christian history. Whenever a movement to return to the teachings of Jesus of the Synoptic Gospels has emerged in Christianity, that movement included concern for our material world, as well as the humanity of those who are being unjustly treated. St. Francis of Assisi is just one example. Given the ecological crisis and the risks to our continued existence on Earth, and an increased social consciousness of systemic injustice that we are in the midst of today, again, a more holistic way of telling the Jesus story could be healing for our time. It, it could also be vital. What we need today is a balanced relation of the material and the spiritual, not a dualistic vilification of one and the lifting up of the other. And lastly, I want to address a portion of our, our reading this week. This section that says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And it goes on to say that God gave God's Son uh, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And that God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in, but in order that the world through him might be saved. So, over the, la over the last several weeks... Oh, 
we've repeatedly discussed the harmful results of the myths of, of self-sacrifice and the myth of redemptive suffering. When that's held up as an example for marginalized or disenfranchised communities to adopt and follow. In this passage from John, I want to suggest that nothing has to be interpreted here as, as pointing to Jesus' death as the substitutionally salvific means by which others are saved. Let, let's read it closely. There was nothing substitutionary about the bronze serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness. The serpent didn't die for the people. It was simply raised on a pole for anyone to look at in faith, and that by doing so, they would be healed. So, in the same way, I believe that in, in following the life-giving teachings in the Jesus story, our feet are moved from the path of death to the path of life. The teachings in the Jesus story, those must be lifted up for people to encounter. And if they see inherent wisdom in them, then to follow. We could interpret whoever believes in him to mean whoever follows him, as, as it does elsewhere in the Jesus story. And I also love how the passage paints God not as condemning and in need of appeasement with the death of Jesus. Rather, John's God is already poised to save us from the, the path of intrinsic death that we're already on. And I find it meaningful that the, the, the term saved here in the text, it can just as accurately be translated as healed. So, so there is most definitely so much in our world today, both personally and societally, uh, individually and systemically, that is in need of healing. And this reminds me of the words, lastly, of Dolores Williams in her classic book, Sisters in the Wilderness. This is uh, page 130 through 131. She writes, Black women are intelligent people living in a technological world where nuclear bombs defilement of the earth, racism, sexism, dope, and economic injustice attest to the presence and power of evil in the world. Perhaps not many people today can believe that evil and sin were overcome by Jesus' death on the cross. That is, that Jesus took human sin upon himself and therefore saved humankind. Rather, it seems more intelligent and more scriptural to understand that redemption had to do with God through Jesus, giving humankind new vision to see the resources for positive, abundant relational life. Redemption had to do with God through the ministerial vision, giving humankind the ethical thought and practice upon which to build positive, productive quality of life. Hence, the kingdom of God theme in the ministerial vision of Jesus does not point to death. It's not something one has to die to reach. Rather, the kingdom of God is a metaphor of hope. God gives those attempting to write the relations between self and self, between self and others, and between self and God as prescribed in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Golden Rule, and in the commandment to show love above all else. Again, that's Dolores Williams, Sisters in the Wilderness, The Challenge of Womanist God Talk, page 130 through 131. So, do we find lifted up in the Jesus story, uh, uh, things that aid our work 
in in our work of healing our world's pain today. And if we do, it's in this healing that I think our passage this week rings true. So this week, let's be a source of healing in our world. Let's lift up Jesus too, as one who can deeply inform our work of setting our communities, our society, and even our entire world right side up, making it safe, equitable, and uh, making it a a compassionate home for, for everyone. Heart Group application this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, in Sex and the Single Savior, Gender and Sexuality and Biblical Interpretation on page 101, Dale B. Martin correctly states, all interpretation is subjective and interested. People's interpretations of texts, even those about Jesus, are a product of who they are and where they live. So, are there stories in the Gospels that you wish there were better ways to tell? And discuss those with your group. And then lastly, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today. Right where you are, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.